What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. My name is Neil Sinha, joined alongside with Aiden Mulcrone and Vinayak Swaroop. And this is probably the last time that we will be calling this the Three Rings Podcast. We have to mention that we will now be going by the All Pistons Podcast from the All Pistons website of Fan Nation, um, from the Sports Illustrated Network. And so just a little bit of housekeeping, just so that everybody's aware of that. We will be going by the All Pistons podcast name in the future on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to, as well as on social media. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and yeah, so this episode is a very, very big, very long kind of encompassing um, episode because we're going to be breaking down the regular season, a little bit of a preview of what's to come for the Pistons. And I guess first, before we do that, very, very briefly, let's just review the preseason. And I'll ask you guys this, like what stood out from those four games as a whole that kind of plays into your predictions for the regular season, if anything, maybe? I think for me, right off the bat, is just, I think tempering expectations is probably like the biggest thing. Just seeing, I don't know, just kind of seeing the team play and stuff. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, play in and potentially playoffs. Like a lot of people have high hopes for this team, you know, predicting 35 plus wins, 40 wins, even, you know, you mentioned that how, when you met John Beeline, he was talking about 40 wins. And I think preseason kind of gave a reality check in a sense that, okay, maybe this team is not, and you'll, it'll be reflected in our uh, record projections, but they just seem kind of outmatched in a lot of those matchups, even like against the thunder and stuff. So it's a young team. You know, that's what I took away. It's a young team and, you know, progress won't come. It won't come in crazy wins, but um, there are things to look out for this season for sure, even if they don't make the plan. So. Yeah. And I kind of want to emphasize young team uh, a little bit more just because, you know, we do see that Sadiq Bay is getting, he's getting a lot better, but he's still only in year three. And, you know, Kate is still only a year two guy now. So I think, yeah, we just really got to emphasize that this team is young and that's, that's okay. They're still going to figure themselves out where I don't think anyone should be expecting, you know, more than a play in game, like at the best this year, they're in the play. in I don't think we should be expecting like hosting, you know, hosting like four games in a, in a series, like, that's that's unrealistic so I think yeah I mean the offseason kind of shine has worn off you know Jaden Ivey during like the draft draft nights worn off it's now time to just go to work yeah and I mean you know we'll get into the exact records and finishing positions that the Pistons will have at the end of the season um you know we'll, we'll talk about that literally in a second but I think, yeah, it to hear people saying playoffs with this team, uh, very interesting, <laughs> all, all I'm going to say. And, you know, we'll talk about that in a second, so I don't mean to get ahead of myself. But they look bad in the preseason. And I understand there's a lot of people out there who say, well, it's just the preseason, so on and so forth. And I don't mean to be the old man saying that, you know, everything, every little game matters, every little thing and so on. But they looked really bad, guys. I mean, we just got to say it how it is. That defensive scheme looked awful, like flat-out awful. And the reason why is that Dwayne Casey has these guys switching on absolutely everything, everything. Like an on-ball, off-ball screens, they're switching. Um, overlaps, 
they're still switching. I don't know if that will work in the NBA. And I know that the league is becoming more of a switching league, but one, we haven't ever really seen a team switch as much as the Pistons are attempting to do. And two, I don't know if the Pistons are really built like that in terms of personnel for a defensive switching scheme um, that they're trying to run just because I'm not really sure that a lot of these guys have the speed to stick with a lot of the, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm not really sure guys like Marvin Bagley or um, Isaiah Stewart even have the speed to stick with guards when they switch on pick and rolls and things like that. I don't know if they do. And so I question the scheme and I'm hoping that maybe Dwayne Casey is just throwing things on the wall and they're trying to see what sticks in the preseason. But I don't know because it looked bad. And then the other thing I'll say is that the turnovers were an issue and that I'm not as worried about because that's kind of preseason, a little bit of a lack of effort and so on. But, you know, Kate Cunningham has to be better. Let's just put it that way. He, he looked awful all four games shooting. He shot, I think, 30 percent from the field in the preseason, guys. That is not good. And then he shot, I think, 23 percent from three. That can't happen. And so. I'm hoping that it's just lack of effort and it's just the preseason, but I do think that some of it plays into the regular season. And, you know, briefly, let me, let me ask you guys this. Is there anything like specifically that you look at in those four games and maybe I just kind of took the answers, but is there anything specifically you you look at in those four games that you really worry about um, going into the regular season or maybe something that you're excited about that you saw in the preseason? For me, um, and I think we, we may even touch on it later, but for me, I think the role of Sadiq Bey was something that I didn't really think about. I kind of took for granted that he's going to take like a step this year. But now, honestly, like I wouldn't be surprised if he regressed more in the sense because when you add Jaden Ivey onto the team, you're adding another. Um, and I, I think it was the Thunder game where like I really saw it like Jaden Ivey, like He's, I mean, he's, he's a rookie, but he still dominates the ball. He, he needs the ball in his hands quite a bit. And then when you already have Cade and then Ivy, when Sadiq Bey is like your third option, it he kind of feels like it's a little bit lost and he kind of just gets like lost in the game. And then all the stuff you saw him doing with his uh, dribble moves and stuff, they don't look as like, they look as hurting the team. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. So basically when, um, when the Pistons had Jeremy Grant and it was Cade Cunningham, Jeremy Grant, and Sadiq Bey, they really struggled. He went on a really, it was like a cold streak for him. He was missing a lot of shots, but he, he was a much better player once he became the second option. And I do think if you ask normal, any Pistons fan, if they said Sadiq Bay or Jay and Ivy's the second option, they would say Sadiq Bay. But I think the nature of Ivy's play style, and then you already have Cade, who's kind of ball dominant. I think Sadiq Bay gets a little bit lost in there, which is now I've kind of held, I like wrote in one of my articles that, you know, he's going to average 20 plus points a game. And, you know, I'd be really happy if he does, but I don't know what the setup of this team and the way they looked in preseason. I don't, I feel like he's in, he's due for just a stable, like, you know, 15 point. I don't think he's taking that jump this year. And I think that's more so a nature of the situation he's put in than like what he's actually capable of. So that was something for me that I took away from preseason for sure. Yeah. And I think we saw that a little bit uh, in the middle of last season, kind of, he, he kind of hit a wall in, I want to say it was around December, or January. I can't, I can't remember, but one of those months he, he hit a wall where he wasn't doing so well. And I think, you know, that's what we saw with Kate in the preseason is, you know, last year, like I've said it before, 
but it took him a while to get get things rolling and then you know he he started going off and I think that's again that's the same case you just you know gotta get things rolling but I do want to say I think a lot of people me personally I'm not but a lot of fans are gonna buy back into Killian obviously like he had a decent preseason so people are gonna buy back into him a lot and I don't know I'm I'm not buying it I still can't because I've seen it for what three years now or two years now yeah two years where it's like he has a good off season it's like things have changed but have they really I, I don't know I don't think so yeah, I I definitely and I, I completely agree with you about the Sadiq Bay thing. I was gonna actually say um, along a similar line of I think Jaden Ivey just doesn't really know his role yet, and that's completely fine. He's a rookie um, in the NBA. He's just learning this team, and you know they're just the Pistons are figuring out what they want to be in two three years. They have no clue right now, and so it seemed in the preseason that Ivey was really stepping on some toes. And he looked good. Don't get me wrong. He looked good at times, but the role isn't very defined right now. Um, and I, I also wrote about this in one article too, because Cade was off ball a lot actually in the preseason when he was on the court with Ivy, Ivy brought the ball up um, sometimes and Cade would just stand on the perimeter and move around on the perimeter, but he wasn't actually handling the ball sometimes when Ivy was on the floor with him. And so I think it's a situation of, they want to see what they have in Ivy. They want to literally throw him into the deep end and just try to genuinely understand what this guy can bring to the team. And they'll go from there. But I do think at the beginning of the year, I agree that I think guys like Sadiq Bay, Cade Cunningham too, will struggle in this offense to a certain extent. And that's why I kind of think the Pistons are going to get off to a really bad start this season. And, you know, we can talk about it now. So we'll move into the regular season predictions and preview let's just start with it straight up. <laughs> what record will the Pistons have in mid-April at the end of the season? And I guess what record and what place will we finish in the Eastern conference? So I have them right now. My, my prediction, if I had to put it, I'd say between, I was between 27 and 28 wins, but I'm going to go 27, I believe 27 and 55. They'll probably place them in maybe not last. I don't know about, last because I think Charlotte has a case now for being because with all with their terrible with their unfortunate offseason let's just say that and then Indiana has a chance of being pretty bad Orlando is also pretty young too so I think they'll finish probably they'll finish 14 so they'll be like second I think they'll be like second or third to last in the Eastern Conference I think they're going to end up in the one Banyama stakes that you know people say should they tank it's I don't think it's a matter of should they I think by nature, this team is just going to have to tank by, yeah, by all-star break, I think, or by April, at least, I think you'll start seeing, you know, guys like Braxton Key or whoever the next player they pick off the G League roster, I think you're going to see more of them. So I kind of see this as another somewhat tanking year, but some strides will definitely be made. But yeah, 27 to 55, that's that's my prediction. Yeah, I could see them in kind of the 12 the 14 range I don't think they're worse than Orlando Indiana but I think I think a sleeper team for being terrible this year is Washington I think the Wizards have not gotten that much better and I think 
they could really be worse than the Pistons, even with Bradley Beal. So yeah, those those are kind of my three teams that you know they're they're around that range. They're competing with for you know Victor Wembanyama. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Obviously, there's other teams in the West that are as bad, if not worse, too. So yeah, I'll be. Um... I guess it's a little bit more optimistic, maybe, maybe just a little bit kind of with you guys though. I have the Pistons going 30 and 52. I think that the Bojan Bogdanovic trade helps this team a lot short term, just because I think he spaces the floor. I, th- I really think he's the perfect fit for this team. The problem is he's not on the right timeline and we can talk about that later, but I think the Pistons will get off to a very, very bad start this season just because they have a lot of moving parts, a lot of new guys on this team, and they don't know their fit together just yet. And on top of that, like we just said about the preseason, they didn't look very good. And so I think you're going to see guys like Kate, Sadiq, maybe come off to very slow starts as well. And so in the big preview article that I just came out with for the website, I have the Pistons, like I said, going 30 and 52, and I have them finishing 12th or 13th in the East. That depends on what other teams' records are. But I don't – and the other thing that I also said is that I think they will have one of the two or three worst records in the league after the first 20, 25 games of the season. I think it's going to be a very, very rough start. And I just – the thing that I'd say is that I'd urge the fans to understand that it's not going to be a great year probably – if it turns out to be that way, that's great. They're in a good spot, a flexible spot, where if they have a good season somehow, that's fantastic because they show the development. We get to see more winning basketball. If they don't, that's also fine because it's just, you know, another year that wasn't supposed to be that great, and maybe you get a higher draft pick. And so I, I'll put it this way. I think it's going to be a rough start, but stay tuned because I don't think that means the season will be a, a wash as a whole. Is it fair to say, guys, that the goal of this season shouldn't be a certain wins or losses? It should be development of players and maybe a slight improvement on the 23 wins they had last year. Most, most definitely. Um, I was about to bring up examples. Um, so, for example, the Golden State Warriors, uh, Steph Curry, I don't think they had their first winning season until his fourth year. Then you think about Devin Booker in Phoenix. You know, they were so bad. And then it was only until, like, his fifth or sixth. The thing is, the thing that, like, that's or Giannis. Think about the Bucks. The Bucks were pretty. They were pretty. I mean, I think ah, I'm trying. They, they they were pretty. They were pretty awful for for a good for a good portion of time. It's just these things kind of take time. You know, it's rare to see a player come in as a rookie or as a second year and immediately change. That's why, like, when people say you know they have Ivy and Duran, they're going to contribute immediately. It just we just know now that rookies don't contribute, and that's why I think developmental progress is such a big deal. So things to look for is. One, Kay Cunningham, we, we're going to get into his like stat line and stuff, but um, you want to see just the leadership that he showed last year, not in the preseason. I just want him to just be more aggressive because it's, it's clear when he, when he plays like he's the number one option, then good things, good things seem to happen. You want to see Killian's development. Aiden, Aiden isn't buying and, and like some fans are, some fans aren't, but you would like to see him, you know, shoot better from the three-point line. You'd like to see Isaiah Stewart shoot better from the three-point line and see if he can play the four. You want to see Jaden Jaden Ivey see what's his fit, what's his role, what, what's he going to be, Jalen Duran too. I think definitely like it's it's much more about development than um, than winning games. And I think 
I think some fans will get mad at that. I mean, you can already kind of see it with like the Detroit Lions. They're already in year two and people are like done with it. But I think in, in this in this age, you just have to be patient with these things because you you don't want to rush things. You don't want to rush this at all. So definitely development. And if they end up getting one Banyaba next year or something crazy, then you may have to do it another year. I mean, it's all about development for this team when you're just so young. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a good point because I think a lot of people thought that, well, just because they had the number one pick last year, that boom, two years later in the playoffs, whatever it is. And that's that's not how it works really in the NBA. I mean, one guy, I guess the 2020 draft class kind of um, showed some legit progress last year with LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. You know, both of those teams made the playing games, but I don't know if they're on a big time trajectory like Troy Weaver wants the Pistons to be on. And to do that, I mean, Troy Weaver always talks about this. I guarantee you any press conference that you listen into, you'll hear him talking about long-term sustainability. He says that all the time in restoring the Pistons. He's not trying to win right now because the way he views it is that short-term success is not worth long-term mediocrity. He's all about, you know, short-term failures and annoyances for long-term success. And that's how, you know, the best teams are built. Giannis, the Bucks, that's a great example. The Warriors, great example as well. And so, I, you know, let's just understand that this is a team literally with a starting lineup of Kate Cunningham in his second year, Jaden Ivey, a rookie, um, Sadiq Bey in his third season, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, a veteran, that's fair. Isaiah Stewart, though, is in his third season. Then you have a few guys on the bench that are either rookies, second-year players, or third-year players. This is a really young team. I mean, you can probably find maybe a college team that's probably older than the starting lineup of this team or, or some of the players on this team, I guess you should, yeah. I should say. And so, like, let's just let's keep the expectations a little bit limited. Let's not go crazy with it. You know what I'm saying? And so this kind of leads into – um, we, we mentioned him, the number one pick from last year, Cade Cunningham. He is the franchise guy right now for this team. He's who they're building around. Let, let me ask this first. Is he an all-star? And then I'll also say, give me a stat line prediction for Cade. Okay, so I don't think he's an all-star, but I think he flirts with it. I think he's like a borderline all-star. Like he gets uh... – He'll get some votes, but I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll make it just because of how bad the Pistons will be. He'll be and on that that snub list by Bleacher Report. He'll be on. He'll be on the snub list, of course. <laughs> yeah. And what I'll say too is just that, um, like, okay, I know he struggled in the preseason and he played pretty bad, but I feel like it's kind of weird. I feel like I've seen enough of Cade, like in the sense from what he did last year, to to say that I think he'll be all right, and he may get off to a slow start, but. All I know is if Cade just continues to be, if Cade just continues to just assert that he's the leader of the team and just plays like he's the number one guy, then good things will happen. Then I think the all-star, and I think I think those kind of things are definitely in his radar. But if he tries to play the passive, the more facilitator, connector role, which is fine. It's fine at times, don't get me wrong, but you're you were drafted to be the number one guy and you've shown that you're capable of being that guy. Just, just do it. And there was an article that came out, um, your story came out like two days ago. He talked about how in preseason, he was a little bit more experimental and he was trying new things, trying to just fit in the system. And I'm going to hopefully take that as he's still, he's still the number one guy and he knows that. So 
if he's aggressive, then I think it's good. And this gets into my stat prediction. I think he had, I think he'll put up a stat line similar to when he was at Oklahoma State. Um, so I think this year averaged 17, 5 and 5. I think this season I have him probably 20 or 21 points, 6, and then 5. I think I think that's fair. And then that's honestly that's that's a pretty good player. That's a pretty good player. And that's only his second season, and he's growing for sure. And I, I would give him higher on the points, but I think he's just going to struggle a little bit. And there'll be some nights where he won't have to do as much, you know, to win games. So, yeah, that's where I have him, 21, 6, and 5. And I think that's – Six, six rebounds or assists? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me say six rebounds. Six rebounds, five assists. And my main thing is for Cunningham is more so how his efficiency changes. If he can – if he shoots a three – he didn't shoot the three ball as well uh, his rookie year, but um, it seems like most – a lot of people are optimistic that he will shoot it. And I'm – I guess I'm optimistic too because the shot doesn't look like broken or anything. It's not like it's not like some other players on the team where it's just like, oh, it's just not gonna work. So you just want to see more efficiency from him, perhaps more volume of him, you know, uh getting to the free throw line. But uh yeah, if if he sh- plays like he did at the end of last season, which he which I think he I know he's capable of, I've seen it, then the Pistons are in a good spot with them and yeah, showing he's the number one pick. And one thing I'll say is it's easy to look at players like Jalen Green, who's, if you guys didn't know, Jalen Green is balling right now. He's like putting up, like he was putting up 30 points in the preseason. And I expect him to do that in the regular season. I expect him to put up like 28, 27. Like I expect him to put up 20 plus points a game. And it's easy to say, oh, they should have drafted Green. But I feel like in the long run, like Cade may not have like the same stat line as him, but again, it's the winning plays that he makes. So yeah, that was my little tangent on that. But yeah, 21, six rebounds, five assists for Cade. Yeah, I had 22, six and six written down, but I think he gets snubbed the all-star game. He'll probably be in the rising stars game, which is perfectly fine. But just the way that Darius Garland and LaMelo Ball made jumps last year and then bringing in Donovan Mitchell to the east and then, you know, Kyrie potentially playing a full season. And then you got other guys like Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, you know, it, there's just a lot of good guards in the East already. So it's going to be hard for a guy in his second year. Like he, he probably had to have by the all-star break, like averaging like 27 a game to, to be an all-star. So that's not, that's not going to be easy. So I think the rising stars game again, perfectly fine. You know, he was in it last year. I'll be in it again. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm very similar stat line, I guess, to you, Vinayak, and you too, Aiden. Um, I agree. I don't think he'll be an all-star this year. I think that, you know, again, I already said it, but I think he kind of gets off to a slow start, kind of like he did last year. But I think he'll turn it around sooner than later. And so, I don't know. I It's tough to say because, I do worry about the inefficiencies that Kate has. And I think that will be a big issue for him this year. And I think a lot of people will continue that narrative that they had last year about his inefficiencies and his turnovers. But I'll say this, I think he improves quite a bit from last year, but not as much as I think a lot of people are saying, you know, his name has been thrown around in the most improved player award predictions, um, you know, from a lot of analysts and so on. He's also, a lot of people have just said he's going to have a breakout year. I'd go more of a modest improvement of saying that I think his stat line would be around 20 points, 
uh, seven assists and five rebounds. And I'll say the points, I think, is relatively obvious. He's, he got better over the offseason. I think the shot got better. I also say that um, I think he's going to shoot around 33.5% from three. And if, if they can get him shooting that this year in his second year, I think the Pistons take that as a win. He shot 30% last year from three. And so if you can just have that sort of decent improvement um, with the shot, the Pistons would take that. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a modest improvement. I think also, by the way, I think the assists go up to about seven just because this team is really catered around Cunningham now. You got Bojan Bogdanovic, who will be perfect for converting a lot of Cade's passes into threes. You got Jaden Ivey, a great change of pace option for the Pistons. And I think Cade will find him a lot of times cutting to the hoop or in transition maybe. And so I think the assist numbers go up quite a bit, as well as, by the way, Marvin Bagley, too. Um, you know, we saw last year after they got Bagley, Cade's assist numbers went up tremendously. And so I think that will be pretty similar this year. Again, I just the biggest thing that I'll say with Cade is that kind of like what Vinay's been saying, too, we just want to see that aggressiveness because it seemed in the preseason and it seemed at the beginning of last year that he was so tentative. He didn't want to step on toes. He didn't want to annoy some of his teammates. He just wanted to be a great leader, great teammate, and just play make for others. No, you know, you're that dude. You're that number one pick from last year. Cade's got to show it. He's got to act like it. And so we just want to see that confidence and aggressiveness. And if he does that, you know, I could definitely see him averaging over 20 points. Keep in mind, this is a guy who averaged 22 points after the all-star break last year. So it's certainly well within reach for him. And yeah, it's going to be very exciting though to see how he develops and how you know other guys in that same draft class develop too and moving on you know we've mentioned the rookies a lot already we've already talked about how ivy affects the other players but let's say specifically with Jalen, Jaden ivy and Jalen duran what are your expectations for this season you don't have to give a stat line um, if you don't want but what are you looking forward to from these two what do you want to see i guess from both of these rookies I think for me, Ivy, I'm, I don't expect him to be like first team all rookie or anything, which that would be nice if he was. But I'm kind of looking for more consistency because he's a little different coming into the league than Cade because Cade, you know, obviously Cade's still like six foot six, but his body really wasn't NBA ready uh, when he came in. He was still like a little skinny, like didn't put on a ton of weight. Um, yeah, there was just kind of some physical things he had to work on. I think Ivy is physically NBA ready right now since he had two years in uh, college. He added some weight, you know, in the offseason. I think he he's done well with his taking care of his body. I think it's going to be the consistency of his shot, you know, consistent consistency of his defense. Can he, you know, move different speeds? Does he have the like scoring at all three levels. Like, I think that's, that's what I look for most in him. And then Duran, I think I just want to see him get playing time. Cause I think it feels like a little bit of a log jam right now, figuring out between like what Stewart's role is going to be, you know, Bagley and Duran, like, I kind of just want to see him get out there. I think he could be potentially, uh, one of the like for, uh, first team all rookie defense guys. I think uh, Isaiah Stewart was the, was on that list uh, when he was a rookie too. So 
that that's kind of something to look out for for him. But again, I don't think my expectations are as high for these two guys as they were for Cade. Um, and even Killian, I think there we had a lot of expectations just around the fan base for Killian when he got drafted because a lot of people had him as some some people had him as the top player on their on their draft board um, on draft night. And obviously hindsight 2020, that's not the case at all. Yeah, you got you got the call thing the from it. From, uh, the ringer who had Killian number one. Yeah. Weirdest game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of people had him in their top five. So, yeah, which is the furthest thing from it. But still, I think my expectations have tampered a little just because, you know, it feels like we've been kind of hurt by him. But we've also been blessed with, you know, Sadiq and Stewart and Cade. Yeah, I'm along those same lines Uh, for Jaden Ivey consistency trying to see the three-point shot and more so just figuring out what like what his role yeah like Neil you said like what is his role going to be in the NBA is he going to be because you know Kay Cunningham plays with Kay Cunningham plays with like different types of but like the best player alongside Kay Cunningham is probably someone who can shoot which is why I think because Ivy kind of lucked out in this sense because Alec Burks is I believe still kind of injured and looks like Ivy's going to start but I feel like if Burks wasn't injured, I feel like Burks would actually be starting over Ivy because I think Cade needs someone who can shoot. But yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking to see consistently again. Like I saw somewhere that he was the second, he had the second highest odds to win rookie of the year. I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year. He's just not in that position. I don't think he's that player. He's going to show a lot of uh, athleticism, high flying, high flying stuff. You know, it's been a while since the Pistons have had someone so athletic as Ivy. So I'm just looking for high energy plays. Like, not, nothing like too crazy. I don't have like crazy expectations. And if he struggles this year, then so be it. You know, like Aiden said, you still have so many guys that you sort of hit on Kate, Sadiq, uh, Isaiah Stewart. So yeah, I just, I just want to see consistency, like you said. And for Duran, I actually do have kind of a modest prediction. I think I expect that at some point he's going to get into the starting lineup. Now it won't be at the beginning, but I definitely can see it mid season or towards the end of the season. He was actually the one, one rookie. Ivy played well too. Don't Ivy had some amazing highlights like that one block against OKC, but Duran really impressed me in his time. Like there's just so much there in terms of how effortlessly he can rebound and how he blocks shots. And there's obviously stuff he has to work on, like foul trouble, like, like fouling and stuff and things like that. But uh, I could see Duran getting into the starting lineup and making a name for himself pretty well. I'm I'm pretty glad that the Pistons picked him up. Um, yeah, I don't have stat lines or anything, but I would. I think towards the end of the season, you'll see Duran in the starting lineup for sure. I will say one stat is I think Jaden Ivey will put up a lot of points because I think he will get like a moderate amount of touches more so, but I think his efficiency won't be the best. So if we're looking at straight sat- stats, like I could see him putting up like 14, 15 a game potentially. But at the same time, it's, you have to look at the efficiency. Like, is he shooting still like 25% from, from three? Or is he actually, you know, around league average? Aiden, you think he's putting up 14 or 15 with Cade next to him? I, I really think so. I think he's going to – I think he's going to get a lot of touches just because he can be a slasher guy if, if they need him to. And – I think the amount of minutes, like you were saying, like if Alec Burks is out, I think he's going to play 
a decent amount of minutes. Got you. I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's fair. Um, I, I was going to say not, not that I really have a specific stat line for Ivy, but I see him probably putting up more like 12 points a game, but I agree. I mean, I think that this will be a team, especially with Cade and Ivy that will be shooting quite a bit. And so I could see 14 or 15. I think the biggest thing that I'll say with Jaden Ivy is turnovers, turnovers and shooting percentage. That's what I'm really going to be looking at. You know, I want him to be aggressive no doubt about it. But at the same time, he's got to show a certain calmness um, and meticulous nature. And maybe he'll get that from Cade to a certain extent, but we need to see a little bit of that because in, in college, you know, a lot of the downsides of his college tape that people put was that he's just very ruck, reckless, excuse me. And so, you know, oftentimes he gets really sped up because he has these great natural abilities, this great straight line speed. And so he'll oftentimes get very sped up and just throw the ball around and turn the ball over or take very bad shots. And so, you know, I'm just hoping to see that he's worked on that, that Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff has helped him with that. And with literally with turnovers, if he can just go under three and a half turnovers a game or somehow under three, maybe that is a big win for Detroit. Because again, I've said this over and over and I'll continue to say it young teams with very young guards don't usually do well. That's a very bad recipe for success in the NBA. And you got Cade Cunningham, who is relatively inefficient and turns the ball over a decent amount. I don't mean to knock on these guys, by the way, but Jaden Ivey also relatively similar in that aspect. It's not going to translate to a lot of wins. And so you just want to see improvement from what he did in college. I think he's going to have a good season. I think Ivy finishes top three and rookie of the year voting. I don't think he wins it, but I could see him finishing second or third. I really do think he's going to have a good rookie year. I will say like the Pistons in general, I know I sound like a broken record. I think he gets off to a rough start just because it's hard to adjust to the speed of the NBA. Someone like Jaden Ivey has relied on his natural ability, his speed and so on his whole life. And now he's in a league where he's got a lot of other guys like him. And so now he's going to have to rely on a lot of skill um, to you know, get by guys and so on. But I think he's going to have a good rookie year. For Jalen Duren, I agree with you, Vinayak. Um, I think he starts by the end of the year. I think he'll start in a couple games um, because of matchups. You know, for example, yeah. if they play the Pelicans, I think they probably shift Isaiah Stewart to the four and Jalen Duren plays the five. And so that's just matchup based because you got Zion Williamson on the Pelicans and so on. And so I, I see that happening throughout the year. But I think by February, mid-February or March, I think Jalen Dern will be in this starting lineup. And I think he, he's the future at the center position for this team, in my opinion, for the long term. And I think Dwayne Casey and those guys will realize that. So any other thoughts on these two players, I guess, specifically? I think we hit on them all. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see. Um, this, this is actually kind of a tangent, but like really quickly, who do you guys think will win Rookie of the Year? Like if you had to make your prediction. I got to go with Paolo. Paolo Bank. Paolo? Aiden, what about you? Yeah, I would probably, I'd probably go Paolo. I mean, I would, I would have said Jet if he didn't have, you know, the season ending injury. Okay. Yeah, I'm going a, I'm to a go different. I think, I think Ben Matherin has a really good shot. And also, Shaden Sharp, actually, I take back what I said, I think, on the last podcast. Shaden Sharp also looks pretty, pretty good. Like, I watched some of his highlights. Like, 
I think one of them, I don't think he'll win the rookie of the year because he won't get like as much opportunity. But uh, yeah, Ben Matherin, I'm calling it. I think Ben Matherin wins it. But anyway, back to the back to the Pistons pot. No, I mean, Matherin's a solid one. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a Matherin podcast. Yeah, so. I was surprised none of you guys picked him. That's why. I, yeah, I think, we, I think we both agree he's going to have a, or we all agree he's going to have a pretty good rookie season, a great NBA career too. But I just think Paolo in the situation that he's in yeah. and also the skill set that he has. But yeah, so going back to the Pistons though, let I'm trying to think of what's the right way of putting this. If there is one breakout player that you had to pick on the Pistons roster, who would it be for this year? And I'd say not Cade. And Ivy and Duran don't count because they're rookies. Anybody else you can pick, though? Um, yeah, I think I would say Isaiah Livers. I think this is a kind of it's kind of like yeah, Isaiah Livers. But he's he's a pretty he's a really solid player. Like I think he's he's probably one of the more NBA. Like if I had to look at these young projects and be like that guy's gonna stay in the league for a while, I think Isaiah Livers is someone who's gonna stay in the league. Um, his defense is solid. He shoots the ball pretty well and the Pistons are going to need that. So I think Isaiah Livers will probably have a much more pronounced role than he did uh, last season. And he may even start too. I think the Bogdanovich trade kind of, kind of like, kind of like ruined his, you know, his case for being the starting lineup, but he may be also a player that can sneak into the starting lineup at some point because he's, he's someone that he's a consistent, he's a consistent player. So I'd, I'd say he's my breakout candidate. Yeah, I mean, I think he's not really a breakout player, but kind of what you were talking about, Neil, I think Bogdanovich, like I think the role that he will play in this team will be a better role than what he played in Utah. Or I think I don't think it would be a better role because he's on a worse team, but I think he'll be used a lot more. And it uh, is kind of more personal to him rather than, you know, kind of being in the, the light of Gobert, Conley, and Donovan Mitchell. So I think in that sense, I think he'd be a lot, yeah, like bigger role. He'll be – his stats will improve. But I do think that this is the end of the line. I know it's who we think are going to be breakout, but I think this is the end of the line of uh, Hamadou Diallo. I think he just – yeah. I think it's just over for him. It they've just tried everything they could and nothing's nothing's working. I think he's he's a goner by at least the trade deadline if they don't buy him out. Yeah, I I've uh I've wanted to I wanted to select Diallo, but you know, he got injured and stuff. And yeah, unfortunately. They already cut Frank Jackson, which is like kind of surprising. They took him, they took Diallo over him, but yeah, I have to agree there. Well, and I think also Diallo, like the nature of the roster too, has not played his way. You know, they took a guard in Jaden Ivey at number five. They picked up Alec Burks, who can play the two. Isaiah Livers has shown quite a bit of improvement. He can play the two also. And even Killian Hayes showed quite a bit of improvement in the preseason to the point where, you know, there are going to be sets where they have Killian and Kate on the court or Killian and Ivy on the court. And so I, I agree with you guys. I think Diallo has kind of fallen out of place here with this Pistons team. As far as a breakout player for me that I'll pick is a tough one because I think Isaiah Livers is kind of the obvious one, but I'm going to go with Isaiah Stewart. And I say that very hesitantly because I, man, I just, I worry about beef stews, real potential in the NBA. 
but I think they're trying to carve out a role that actually fits him more in the NBA, if that makes sense. I don't think he's a real great center at this professional level. I think he's just undersized being that he's six foot eight or six foot nine at best. And he's also not extremely athletic. And so I think it's, it was a really smart move to try to get him shooting more. And he shot the ball very well in the preseason. I mean, I don't know exactly what percentage it was, but I think I saw on Twitter like 38% or something. He looked good shooting the ball. I mean, the form looks very good. And so I really like um, Beef Stew to have a very good season. I think he's going to possibly be one of the best three-point shooters actually on this team, as crazy as that may sound. My only, the only reason why I'm hesitant about it is just because they traded for Boyan Bogdanovich. And I think Boyan has to be the starting four, you would assume. And so, you know, Beef Stew, with that starting lineup, will have to play more of the traditional center. There'll be other um, personnel sets where he can play the, the stretch four, you know, alongside Jalen Dern or maybe Marvin Bagley, whoever it is. But I think it's a little bit unfortunate in terms of his development at the four that they got Bogdanovich. But yeah, I'll go with Isaiah Stewart. And, you know, we kind of already talked about guys that are falling off this roster and we don't mean to be going after them like that. But another guy to talk about is the head coach, Dwayne Casey. He started to, I think, come under fire a little bit. And frankly, I'll be one of the guys to say it. The more and more that I watch into the specifics of the tactics that Dwayne Casey has and the schemes that he uses, I'm starting to become a lot more disappointed. And so let me ask you guys this. Is Dwayne Casey's job safe? I think at the moment, yes. I think it will be until the Pistons start winning. I think they're – I think – and I agree with this too. I think he's he's for right now for his job right now is to mainly just develop players, make him into NBA. You know what he did in Toronto, right? He developed a bunch of guys. Now is that all Dwayne Casey that did the development? Probably not. But his job right now is to just kind of just stay the course, lead the rebuild. You know, keep keep a positive voice in the locker room. So I like I, schemes like like you said, like the defensive switching scheme is just. I mean, I, I hope that was something they were just experimenting with, not something they're going to try to do all the time because they were getting beat. Like, it was bad. But, yeah, I don't know. I think I think for now he's fine. But when the Pistons start winning, and I think a lot of people – I would think a lot of people think this too, that once they start winning, I think it's time to perhaps look into a different um, – look into a different direction as far as coaching. Uh, perhaps that's someone like in the, one of their assistant coaches right now. I think that's definitely an option as well. But – I think for right now, for where the Pistons are in this this rebuild, and maybe for like the next this year, and maybe next next year, at least for the next two years, I would say his job is is pretty safe. Like he would have to he would have to do something crazy. Like he would have to really just lose every game or get into a fight with one of the players to I think lose his job. I think Troy has a lot of trust in him. But Neil, I'm with you there. There's there's a lot of things you that you see that you're just kind of like kind of scratching your head at, and that's kind of what happened to him in Toronto too. That's why. A lot of fans, you know, he won coach of the year, sure, but a lot of fans were really, or Raptors fans were really excited to see him go because they said, you know, he kind of just sticks with his, there's a lot of things. He's very static in some ways. Like he, if he just sticks to like his rotations, for example, and that came to bite Toronto in the playoffs. And it wasn't until they switched to nurse. And yes, I know they got Kawhi, but still though, like, it's still like the, the effect is you can see the effect there. So yeah, I don't know if he's the final guy, but for now, I think his job is safe. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think he's the final guy, but I don't think he's going to be gone unless it's on his own terms. 
when they hired him, you know, he, he was coming in, he wanted to be like a win now team. They made the eight, they were the eight seed that year and got swept by Milwaukee and whatnot. But, you know, he, he, he talked about how he didn't want to be part of a rebuild or anything, but I think Troy's talked him into it. And I think he's done a good job with the development and, you know, the, the staff that they've hired around him, you know, John Beeline, I mean, even as an MSU fan, I can admit John Beeline's a really good coach. And I think hiring him for development is pretty crucial. And I think we'll start, we'll start to see it pay off as we go on further into this year, more so than, you know, last year we didn't really see it because he just got there. But I think the staff around them, they've, they've done a pretty good job at developing and yeah, I mean, Casey's getting old. I think he's going to retire uh, within the next few years. So I think it's just going to be on his own terms. But like, like Vinayak said, if, unless he goes 0-82 this year, I don't think they're going to fire him like this year or, or next year. And I'll also say this really quickly. I also think Dwayne Casey's a prime candidate to just join. Like once he's done coaching or if he gets fired on his own terms, I think he could definitely just join the Pistons front office and serve like that John Beeline role or something like that for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That that's actually a very very good point because also John Beeline won't be in that role for much longer. Um, I could say that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a very good point about Dwayne Casey. I'll just say this: Dwayne Casey as a person is a great guy, great coach. You can tell it by all the press conferences and everything. He really cares for his players a lot. My problem with him as the head coach of the Pistons that many, many people have touched on, I'm not the first to say this by any means, is that, like, like you said, Vinay, he has very static sets. There's not too much movement going on offensively. It's just, it's very, it's the same thing kind of over and over. And it, there's not much creativity to it. You know, it's not like the Steve Kerr Golden State sets. It's not like the, I don't even know. I'm trying to come up with other examples, but it's just very static. There's not too much off-ball movement, off-ball screens, and so on. Defensively, we talked about it. the defensive switching, I think, is really, really bad, frankly. And, you know, I'm fine with switching, but you can't switch as much as they're trying to do on literally every movement offensively. You should not be switching. That doesn't make sense, especially um, as we saw in the preseason. They're not getting under the screens or making the actual switch in time. And so, I don't know. I just, I worry about his schemes. I think his job is relatively safe in the fact that, listen, Troy Weaver and Tom Gore, the owner of the Pistons, they understand that this is a rebuild project. They understand the Pistons should not be competing this year and maybe make the plan, maybe sneak into the playoffs, but even that is unlikely. And so I think he has a safe job there. I'd be shocked if they fire him midseason just because he is a developer at his core, like you guys have both said. He did it in Toronto with guys like Pascal Siakam, with Fred Van Vliet, those guys, OG Ananobi too. So he's, you know, he's, he's a solid coach, a good developer of talent. Um, actually, I take back OG Ananobi, that was later. But anyways, he's a solid coach, great developer of talent. And I think the Pistons are fine with that for this year. But I will say they need to show improvement. Otherwise, he will be in a tough spot. And I think they might look, look elsewhere next summer. Um, because next summer it's quite clear they're going to be going in on trying to take that next step and really compete. And so, you know, we kind of, I guess we talked about 
some of our bold predictions throughout this episode. But let me ask you this. What is your one very, very bold, very, very hot take that you have about this season? It could be someone being traded. For example, we already talked about Diallo possibly being traded. It could be a stat line. It could be whomever, a breakout player, whatever you want to go with this question. What is your biggest bold prediction for the season? Oh, man, that's, that's actually kind of – that's pretty tough. I, I would say I would go back to Sadiq Bay. My bold prediction, it's so funny. I wrote the article, bold predictions for the Pistons season. I said he's going to be in the most improved player race and everything, but no, I'm going, I'm going backward. I think he takes kind of a step back into the – not into the entirely the 3 and D role in his rookie year, but I think he's, he's going to kind of maintain – or be slightly worse than he was last year. And, or maybe this is something like, I think one of those three guys, Killian, Sadiq, or let me, let me actually be, do this. Let me be even more bold. I think one of those guys, Killian, Sadiq, or Isaiah will be off, off the team by next year, or there will be there. One of those players, I think the fan base is going to turn on. I think it's likely it'll be Killian, but I think one of those players from the 2020 draft class, the Pistons will either move on, or they're just going to get, buried in rotation or someone one of those three are just not going to produce so it may be if it's Sadiq Bay, then they I mean they're not going to trade Sadiq Bay. they may resign him to a lower contract but if it's Killian Hayes that's underperforming I think he's yeah I think he's gone by next year so that's my or or he's out of the rotation at some point so yeah that's my that's my bold prediction this might be this might be a hot take but I think Isaiah Stewart could be on the trade block at the trade deadline. I think he's probably the piece that they're most willing to move that you could actually get something decent for. And I think Bagley, I, I had some faith in Bagley kind of just coming like from Sacramento. I think a fresh start was something he needed. And I thought he played well in the time that he was here last season. And I get he's injured for the first few weeks uh, um, to start, but I think once he gets into midseason form, I think he'll be pretty good. And that whole, you know, is Stewart going to play the four or the five? I think if it works, that gives them a lot of trade bait because you have Duran as insurance and you have Bagley to play the four or the five and Bogdanovich to play the four if needed. And if it flops, you know, he's still a, a guy who plays the five. That's a good backup center and could, you know, at least contribute um, a few minutes for a playoff team potentially. So that that's kind of my that's kind of my hot take. I don't know if he gets dealt, but I think he will be, you know, the talk for the Pistons at the trade deadline. Yeah, I. Um... I could see what you guys are saying. I'd be frankly very surprised though, if one of those three 2020 guys are gone, but I could see it happening. I'll go with, I, in my opinion, the very obvious guy, which is the player that doesn't really fit with this team's timeline. Like I said earlier, and that's Boyan Bogdanovich. I think he will for sure be traded by the trade deadline in February because he's on an expiring deal. He's 33 years old. He's looking for a contract extension. I don't think, that Troy Weaver and the Pistons will want to give him that money. They haven't already. And I don't, I just don't see that happening. He's on a completely different timeline from the rest of this team. He's a good player. I mean, we've already talked about it over and over. He's a good player, but I think if this season goes how, you know, we're all kind of expecting it to go 
where they'll be sitting 13th place, maybe in the Eastern Conference and around 28, 29, maybe even 30 wins, like I said, they are not going to be in that playoff or playoff run or even play in run um, in mid-February come the trade deadline. And so I think Weaver and the Pistons will cut their losses and will trade uh, or will sell at the deadline. And I think one of those guys is Bojan Bogdanovic for the reasons that I said earlier. Another thing I'll say is that he is a player for a contending team. I mean, the Lakers were already trying to get him. There were a few other contenders that were trying to get him um, just a few weeks ago before he was traded. And so I can very well see a situation where the Pistons actually get a late first round pick out of a Boyan Bogdanovich trade. That might sound crazy, but I could see it possibly happening where a team's looking for a guy that brings three, you know, shooting and perimeter defense. And that's exactly what Boyan Bogdanovich does. And that's very valuable in the NBA. And so there could be a situation where we look back on the Boyan Bogdanovich original trade from the Utah jazz, and then a trade later down the year and say, wow, Troy Weaver turned Bogdanovich into, or excuse me, turned Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee into a first round pick. So, so I think that's a trade that I see, you know, kind of coming. I'd frankly be a little bit surprised if he isn't traded by the end of the year, but we'll see. You never know. And so that will kind of um, end it for the Pistons part of this episode, the Pistons preview of this regular season that starts tomorrow for Detroit. But Let's get into the NBA. It, it won't be too long, but, you know, kind of like we did last year, um, I guess, wh- where do you guys want to go with this? <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it up to you guys, because I want to ask, you know, who wins um, the championship at the end of this episode. But I guess for now, let me, let me ask this then. Who is a breakout team, an underrated team right now that you think will surpass quite a few expectations in the NBA? I really, I hate to say this, but I like Cleveland. I like what Cleveland's doing. Let's go. No, <laughs> I think, I think that's going to be, I mean, I was pretty high two years ago on the Hawks. I was like, okay, I think I, I see what the Hawks are doing. They're building something. I think they could be a, a top four team in the, in the East. And that's kind of what I see with Cleveland. I think the Mitchell trade was pretty good i mean i honestly i don't like mitchell as much as i like garland and mobley i think mobley is gonna make another step this year that he could be a borderline all-star in the east um if not be an all-star so i think that that team is is really scary and then out of the west i mean like i mean i i think memphis would be kind of a lazy take but i still think memphis will be competing, you know, cause they were a two seed last year. And I think I expect them to be around like a two or three this year as well. All right. So this isn't necessarily a breakout team, but it's more so a prediction. I think this is the year the Sacramento Kings finally reach not the playoffs, but a playing game. I think they, I think they finally have assembled a roster that, that kind of makes sense. They have, you know, Darren, Darren Fox is, is good. DeMontis Sabonis, you know, Davion Mitchell. But I really like their signings of um, Kevin Herter from the Hawks, and they got Malik Monk, I think, and their new coach, Mike Brown. I think they have the pieces to make a run at the 10th seed, and I, 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 I predict, I think this is their year. They finally, they don't get the playoffs, but they get a play-in game, and 
if you haven't made the playoffs since I, but I don't forget the year it's either 2006, 2007, but you'll take anything at that point. So props to you guys, Kings. I'm rooting for you guys. Hopefully y'all, hopefully y'all take that next step. I don't, I don't know if I'm fully agreeing with that. I mean, we'll see. I will say this about the Western conference. It's pretty clear that like Utah, San Antonio, Houston will not be competing. So that's already three teams. Yeah. And then I guess the Kings would just have to beat out like OKC, but they're without Chet. So maybe they're going to tank again. Uh, and maybe just one other team. So maybe, maybe, maybe I could see that actually. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. I picked them last year. I'm not going to lie. And I mean, they did make the playoffs, which is what I said they would do. But I do think this year they get a lot better. I do. And I've never been a Zion guy, but I'm kind of buying into it a little bit. And I He's think. Good. Yeah, especially with them having C.J. McCollum, the steady presence that he brings to that team, along with Brandon Ingram, Valanchunas. They got a lot of, you know, solid players, solid NBA players who have quite a bit of experience. I like it. I like where the Pelicans are at, man. And I, I'll put it this way. I think New Orleans is going to finish top six in the Western Conference. I think there is a good chance that they actually host a playoff series in the first round, meaning they get like a four seed or something. We'll see. That might be going too far, but I do think they're in the playoffs and I think they take a decent um, next step with the development of guys like Zion, and you know, some of the other younger players that they have. And so on the flip side of this, what is one team that is very overrated right now that you see, you know, falling way below what they're predicted to do? I, I don't think they're going to fall like short of anything, but I think it because I do think they're arguably the best team in the East still, but I think a team that didn't get better was the Boston Celtics. I really don't think that Brogdon trade moved it. It didn't really move the needle for me because they already have Marcus Smart. You already have a, a defending guard, like a, a, like a all league defending guard and I don't think he really does much for them in terms of playmaking that you know Tatum and Jalen Brown can't do so I think that that trade puzzled me a little bit um I mean I like Brogdon as a player but I just don't think he he gets the the Celtics over the hump that they 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 want to get over and I think the Ime Odoka situation just, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to even talk about it, but I think, you know, if he's, he's out for the season that, that affects a lot of stuff too. Um, and I'd be interested to see how uh, Tatum and Brown, like the two leaders of the team take uh, what they take into their own hands and how they handle it. Yeah, that's honestly, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good pick. Like in terms of staying stable, I would say, yeah, Celtics, Sixers too. A lot of people are predicting the Sixers to like move up in the standings for some reason because they had such a great offseason. They signed Daniel House. Like, bro, I got I, it's a, to me, it's the same team. Doc Rivers is still it Daniel House. <laughs> how is it pronounced? How is it pronounced? Is it Danwell? No, no, it is Daniel House. No, Daniel House. Daniel House. <laughs> they signed no, Daniel House. <laughs> yeah. Or they signed, I forgot who else they signed, or De'Anthony Melton. That was the player. But um, they're the same team to me. Doc Rivers is still coaching and he got his boy Montrez Harrell, which uh, that's not a good thing to me. That's not that's not something you should be uh, celebrating. They they're kind of the same team to me, and I think they're gonna they're gonna be the same. I don't see them content, or I don't see them making it out the East. Um, one more team I was gonna say 
the Chicago Bulls, I know expectations are already a little bit lower with them, you know, because Lonzo's hurt, but you, I, you don't realize like how big Lonzo's impact is on the team. And this is coming, like, I respect the Bulls for going, you know, all in, you know, sometimes you have to do it. You know, they went in with Levine and Butsovich, something like that. They went all in with these players, but I, I don't see it. If Lonzo's out, this team is, again, eight seed, nine seed, perhaps competing in the play-in. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they took, they took a leap of faith. They still have Patrick Williams, but yeah, I don't think the Bulls are going to do anything this year. Yeah, you kind of took my pick. I'm not going to lie. I had the Chicago oh, Bulls. But, again, it's also not – like you said, it, it wasn't like a very bold prediction. I just – you know, this was a Chicago team that was finished, what, fit, the fifth seed last year, I think? Or maybe – no, they were the sixth seed. Sixth seed, yeah. Yeah. And I think they take a step back this year. I think they'll probably be in the playing tournament, but I don't think they make the playoffs from it. I think they're like a nine seed in the Eastern Conference. And – you know, I, I just I agree with the, everything that you just said. Lonzo Ball has that crazy weird injury. You know, we can talk about that on another episode, but it's just a weird injury. He said the doctors don't even know what it is. And so he just had another surgery. But, you know, you hope that he gets back to somewhat of what he was before. But, yeah, the Bulls are in a tough spot. And then DeMar DeRozan got another year older, too. And so I don't know. I don't I don't think Chicago got better for sure. They didn't get better this year. And I think they could very well find themselves mid-April not playing in the playoffs. That's what I would probably expect, frankly. And I guess as another pick, this also isn't like that big of a um, selection. But the Portland Trailblazers, I'm not really sure what they're doing out there. Damian Lillard's coming back. And, you know, I don't know. They got Jeremy Grant, but... I don't see the trailblazers making the playoffs in the, in that Western conference. It's a loaded conference. I just, I don't really see it happening. And so, um, yeah, that's also, again, not really a bold prediction, but yeah, I'll say that. And so I guess two more questions, guys. First, we'll go with the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. Who gets the number one pick or who, who is dead last, I guess, at the end of the regular season going into the lottery, who has the best odds, I should say. I think there's a lot of teams that that will be actually really quick. I just want to mention the Bulls. I forgot to mention this. They may make, they may win the championship if they got Andre Drummond being a splash bro, you know, from three. But anyway, besides the besides, because he went he went three for three in the preseason from the three point line, and you know, respect to respect to Drummond for getting the shots up. But um, worst team in the league, I think you have to give it. There's going to be a lot of fight. There's going to be a lot of a lot of determination, a lot of grind. But I think the Utah Jazz have just they, their roster is not not built to compete, and I think they're they're the ones they're 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 destined in a sense to get. I actually I actually think this I actually think a team like the Spurs will get the number one pick, just because I just feel like it's their time. It's their they, you know they had Tim Duncan and now it's time to get another big man. They had David Robinson, but the Utah Jazz that roster is so bad. So I think Utah's uh, and props to Utah. They they timed this perfectly. This is the best time to rebuild. So yeah, my pick is the Jazz. If the Thunder got the number one pick, this would be full circle for Sam Presti, but I don't see it happening. I actually kind of see Portland getting the number one pick. I think they won't be the worst team. I think Utah will be the worst team in the league by a mile, but I think Portland is not that good. And I think they'll give the the NBA will make sure that Dame Lillard gets a 
gets a, a piece that he can compete for a championship for because he's not going to run from the grind. And I don't – yeah, I mean, I don't think they really got that much better from last year adding Jeremy Grant and Shaden Sharp to replace C.J. McCollum. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I got to go Utah here. Um, I think that that is by far the worst roster in the NBA. I mean, they traded away – their two best players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And listen, they're going full tank mode. They know what's up. They know that Wembenyama is possibly, in my opinion, the best draft, pro- the best prospect coming into the NBA in a very long time, is how I'll put it. Probably the best draft prospect in the last 10 years, frankly. And so there's going to be a lot of teams really fighting for this pick. I think. Utah, just because of their roster, will have the worst record in the NBA, and it'll be really low, by the way. Like, literally, like, 15 wins, maybe, like, that type of thing. But I think there'll be a a couple other teams I'll throw out there just because or the Washington Wizards. I agree with what Aiden said earlier. I don't think they're going to be very good. I think the Orlando Magic, just because they're still so young. Um, And, you know, probably San Antonio, too, because that is a very weird team without DeJounte Murray. I think they're going full rebuild now. And so those are a few options, a few teams they're going to be competing for. But I think the Utah Jazz are the worst team in the league this year. And so let me ask you guys this. Um, before actually, you know what, before asking the champion question, who, who takes home MVP? Yeah. Um. I know, my like, bad. I, I switched up on you guys. That's my no, bad. you're good. No, a lot of people would say, you know, like Joel and Bede and stuff, but um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be bold. I think last year I picked Paul George, and like, I understand that was that wasn't my best pick, you know, you know, so I take responsibility for sure, but um, <laughs> no, I, I got my boy. I think, I think John Morant makes a case. I think he, I think he makes a case towards his MVP. I, I think this is, I mean, he's he's in his you could kind of say he's in his prime just because of like his, the way he plays with his athleticism. And I know you could go Luca and stuff, but if the Grizzlies keep winning and build on what they did last year and job ja keeps playing like John ja Morant, then he has a really good case. So I'm going to go with my boy. Actually, I don't know if he's my boy per se, but I'll go with John ja Morant. Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't know. I think I, I know I just dogged on him, but I think Tatum, I think Tatum will win MVP just because I think that, I mean, they've been giving it to LeBron by default for like, and they've been giving it to Giannis, you know, kind of just by default because those two guys have just been the most dominant players. But I think Tatum, you know, he, he just builds off of last year. So I think in that, I think personally, he does well, but I think as a as a team, the Celtics don't really improve that much. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, but I keeps taking mine. <laughs> I mean, did I really man, take I'll, did I really take Jaw? Yeah, I was gonna oh, say bro. Ja, bro. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I mean it's all good. I I agree though. I think Jaw is he, he's just primed for it. I think he's in the perfect position. But you know what? Because you're going Jaw, go Luka Doncic. I think that. This has been something that's been building for a while. Doncic has been on the track of, you know, possibly winning an MVP ever since he was drafted into the league, literally. His rookie year is unreal. And so I think he puts it together. Um, I think he also, 
maybe has a team that can help him get there. I don't know with the Mavericks, man. I think they're kind of stuck where they've been around the four or five seed, maybe in Western conference, but actually maybe even worse, but it's Luca's team and that's quite clear. And so I'll go Luka Doncic, but I will say John Morant also, that was my first pick. Um, I, I do want to say quickly, like where, where are we at on Luca? Like, like getting your takes because, because I don't see Luca as an MVP cow. Like he's a elite player, but I just don't see him being like the most dominant player in the league like amongst these like year in year out like where are we at on this like i mean i know what you're saying but i think like because i i've thought about this too that like luca's potential might be a little bit capped and that he might be already at it but i do think dude when you look at the things he's done the last two years like it's hard for me not to put him in the top five already in the nba and i don't know i think he's continuously adding to that to a certain extent but I do – you got me in a tough position, I'm not going to lie, because I really wanted to go John Morant. And so Luka Doncic, I would kind of agree with you. I'm not sure if he's the MVP type of player, but he's got to be up there. I'll put it that way. I mean, it depends how you define, like, MVP. I mean, I think we can agree, like, if Luka goes down, like, the Mavericks, I mean, they're there with the Jazz, you know? Like, they're not that – they're not that good, you know? So – and what he did last year to bring them – beat the Suns – beat Devin Booker and Chris Paul like that and to go to the conference finals I think I think that's that's big time and like you said I, I think his ceiling is kind of capped in a way but I mean that ceiling is still like a really a really really good player and I mean I th- I could see it like I, I like Nikola Jokic won it back to back but I, I think if you asked anyone who's your best player like who's the best player in the league I don't think many people are going to say Nikola Jokic and I think Luka could be like kind of someone like that you know he's like he's not the best player but he's winning mvp so yeah that's all i'll say it's weird the mvp that i don't know it's it's weird how they define it nowadays so i think that's somewhere someplace where luca would benefit yeah i agree with that and so to wrap up this episode as just as we did last year on this podcast i want you guys to give your favorite for the nba championship this year who wins it and i guess also um you know how about who's in the finals who wins the eastern conference and western conference and then who takes it home yeah okay so for the western conference you don't have to go my la clippers i think this is this is finally i mean you would hope this is i mean if they don't win it this year then like i think i think you can say they're done for kind of this is kind of do or die you know all the health is in there is in their favor um yeah, all the health and everything is in their favor. They have probably the deepest team in the league. I mean, like seriously, like Robert Covington and Norman Powell, like that's all, that's like their fourth or fifth players. Like it's a deep team. So I think you have to go with the Clippers. I know, well, I mean, I'll hear you guys' predictions. I won't say any other teams. But then from the East, a lot of people pick the Bucks, and it's just like, I don't know. I, I Part of me, I, it's not going to happen. I really want to pick the Nets because I kind of wanted to, I kind of want to see it all work. But they just have so much, you know, controversy with the team. And it's just like, I don't know. So I'll probably play it safe. I'll go with the, I'll go with the Bucks and I'll go Bucks Clippers. And then I think I'll think Clippers, Clippers take it. And Kawhi gets his third finals MVP, third MVP finals MVP with three different teams. And he joins an elite, he goes up in terms of uh, player rankings of all time. 
this is gonna be this is gonna be a weird one because I okay, I think out of the West, for me at least, the easy pick is the Warriors. I think that's that's pretty yeah, safe to say. Mention. I mean, I said that I said that before the season last year. I said if the Warriors are healthy, they're gonna win. And they did. But I th- I think this year, especially because last year I didn't even factor in Jordan Poole. And now you're factoring him in and how well he's pl- playing. I think the, the sky's the limit for them yet again. And I think they'll beat whoever they play out of the East. Now the East, I am torn on Brooklyn, similar to Van Ike. But I think a, a weird team to look out for that I think could still get in the finals is the Miami Heat. I think the Heat are just – I don't know. There's something about, like, Jimmy Butler-led teams, but especially in Miami with Eric Spolstra and how good of a coach he is. And then, you know, factoring in, like, Tyler Hero, like if Kyle Lowry's healthy, I know he's been kind of ass. But, you know, a lot of people are high on Nikola Jovic, the, the rookie as well. So if, you know, if he makes a decent impact, I could see them just like grinding out games because they didn't they, they went to seven with. Uh, yeah, they were with, in the East with Boston. They were in Eastern Conference yeah, Finals. They went, they went to seven with Boston last year. So I think that's something I would look out for. Just, yeah, I think they're just going to be a gritty ass team. I mean, they, they remind me a little bit of like the the early 2000s Pistons kind of just in the way that, you know, they're not super high scoring, flashy team, but they will fight you to the death. And I think, yeah, that's something to look out for. But I think Golden State's easily a champion again. I'll say this really quickly about Miami. It's surprising. They like. I think out of all the teams like the Celtics, or never mind the Celtics, but teams like the Sixers and the Nets, they're like the team that's like achieved the most. They went to the finals. They went to the Eastern Conference finals. Yet year in, year out, no one really picks them. No one like believes in them. So props to you for making that selection for sure. Dang, but Aiden said Warriors win it easily. See, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I, I'm going to go – and I sound so dumb for saying this because I said it last year and it didn't work out. But the Brooklyn Nets, I think they get it done. I really do. I think it's it's the team that on paper has the most potential. You know, we've been saying this the last two or three years, whatever it's been. But I think it, it just happens this year. And I think they have a group of guys that genuinely want to be there, maybe. Um, I think Ben Simmons has a lot to prove this year, and I think he's going to prove some of that. They don't have James Harden and all that controversy that he brings. They don't have Kyrie Irving playing half the season, and they have Kevin Durant, a healthy Kevin Durant. So I like Brooklyn to, you know, turn it up a little bit, and I think that they end up winning the NBA championship. I'm hesitant in saying it because, I don't know, I think last year taught us a lot about the Brooklyn Nets, but – Man, I, th- I think they turned around. It's just a great team on paper, and I'm going to actually believe in it. So we'll go Brooklyn Nets. And from the Western Conference, I'm going to surprise a lot of people with this pick, the Denver Nuggets. I'm going – I'm buying into the Nuggets. I think they're getting back Jamal Murray. He should – there was a report that he should be good for opening day. That's huge for Denver. I mean, we all remember 
what Jamal Murray was like last time he played. He was an absolute dog in the bubble. He, he was pretty good at the beginning of last year, or sorry, not last year, whenever it was. Um, and so I like Denver a lot. They might get back Michael Porter Jr. Um, a little bit later in the season. And so I'll, I'll go Nuggets out of the Western Conference. I'll say they beat the Clippers, though, because I love everything that the Clippers are doing. I think that's a great team. And I think it's a good pick, Benayak, um, to win it all. And so any last thoughts, guys, on the Pistons, on the NBA as a whole? This has been a really long episode. Man, I really want to like Brooklyn, but it's so hard not. It's so hard, like, to like them because I just don't see the Ben Simmons-Kyrie dynamic more than anything else working out. I think between those two specifically, it's going to make it a lot tougher. And I mean, KD is, like, my favorite player. Uh, potentially favorite player of all time. He, he's up there. But, like, yeah. Like, I want to like them so badly, but I just I just don't know. I think they could implode very easily. I mean, they did add, like, Royce O'Neal. And I know that's, like, Brian Windhorst, like, meme, everything like that. Um, and I think that that does help a little bit. And I do think they still have – decent amount of squad depth but yeah that's just it's so hard for me to pick them right now no i i feel that too but ever since you know ben simmons won on that podcast with jj red i don't know i have like kind of a faith i, I get you gain like a lot more respect for ben simmons and think he'll he'll show he'll show out and i think he's he's much i think he's kind of bought into his role of being more of a facilitator than i think someone like james harden james harden was like James Harden kind of wants to be that scorer, but I feel like Ben Simmons will do a great job of facilitating for KD and Kyrie. He no longer has the pressure to produce, you know, like he, he plays defense, he makes plays for other people. And that's all he has. He's just like an upgraded Killian Hayes, you know, he just, and you know, that's, that's still a hell of, that's a hell of a player. And then one final, Neil, you can also offer your thoughts on this if you want, but um, one final player last year, my player was Darius Garland. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say he made the all-star team. He did some big things. This year, I don't think he'll make an all-star game, but um, I'm putting a lot of stock into Josh Primo. That is J-O-S-H-P-R-I-M-O. He plays for the San Antonio Spurs. He's going to be the guy that I'm going to be investing a lot of stock in for the Spurs. I think they're going to try to build around him. So that's my that's my player that I'm going to be uh, heavily invested in this year. Okay. I guess, folks, that means that we're going to see Vinayak in a Primo jersey soon. <laughs> yes, sir. Homie has the weirdest collection of jerseys. I don't even know. But, no, I could see that. I mean, he's going to have a bigger role um, for San Antonio. And so, yeah, I also agree with what you guys said about Brooklyn. You know, kind of the same stuff that I said. It's hard to believe in them. But I'm not going to lie. It's I'm struggling to pick out of the Eastern Conference. And I think that whoever it is, Milwaukee, maybe Boston, um, Brooklyn, I think they end up winning the championship. I'm not sure I believe as much in the Western Conference teams. And so that will do it. For this episode, this really, really long episode, if you stayed all the way through it, you are an OG. We really appreciate you. And per usual, before we um, close out here, make sure to check us out on social media. Our Again, our name as a podcast will be changing to All Pistons Podcast. Be on the lookout for that on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, as well as on social media. We will be going by the name All Pistons. So when you look us up and want to follow us and like your comment, um, just be aware of that. And so, again, we really appreciate all of your everyone's support. Um, you know, we love doing this and we're very excited for another season of Pistons basketball. 
and we'll be coming out with weekly episodes. We're going to try to be releasing on Mondays. So be on the lookout for that as well. Thank you, everyone. And see you next time on the All Pistons podcast. Peace.